Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg as always, and uh, today uh, it's a day late. So first I have to apologize to everybody who was expecting the podcast yesterday. Uh, I was just loaded up. I couldn't get it done. I had a doctor's appointment in the morning and then uh, had to leave to go see Metallica in Milwaukee. So I'm doing it today. Um, so you're still getting it. Don't worry, just a day late. Uh, so I do apologize. Normally we do it on Tuesdays, which I like to do. Um, it's just going to be a little weird here this week. And I think next week my schedule's a little off because of uh, Dave being on vacation at work. So the store's about to get a little nuts. Um, however, uh, we also don't have a super long one today. There's really only one thing I want to talk about. And well, I guess before I get into that, um, let's talk about the Metallica show last night. Why not? Um, it, it was excellent. Uh, I don't know if I talked about the last one on the podcast before, but I actually went to see them a month ago in Madison and that show was also excellent. I mean, it's my favorite band to go see live. I think they still put on a hell of a show, but their opener is not another band. It's Jim Brewer, who is a comedian. He was in half baked. He was the really stoned guy with Dave Chappelle. And, um, you know, he's a funny comedian. I actually have no problem with Jim Brewer in Madison though, being the first show on the tour, you could tell they were still working on a lot of bugs because it was not funny. It, It was actually quite terrible, uh, and not entertaining. So it was, (laughs) I I don't know how else to describe it. It just wasn't good. And and so last night, obviously, I've been telling everybody for a month, like how terrible Jim Brewer is. It'll be unwatchable. You'll hate it. Well, last night he made me look like a fool because of course he has refined his, his, uh, his shtick, his opening deal. And it was, it was okay. I mean, it was still out of place at a rock show. Like I'd rather have an opening band or nothing at all, but it's, you know, it's something to get the crowd riled up. And he was actually pretty organized and funny and everything that he did like made sense. He told stories, he told experiences, he walked around, he got the crowd amped up. It was, it was like actually what you'd want before a rock show. So Jim Brewer was actually okay. So everyone who I've said to in the past that it was awful, it was awful in Madison, not nearly as awful in Milwaukee. If you didn't like it in Milwaukee, imagine what I had to suffer through in Madison because it was about 10 times worse. Um, but overall a good show, uh, you know, being a month apart, you're never quite sure how different the show is going to be like what different playlists. And while they opened with the same two songs at both, uh, the playlist varied quite a bit last night. I got to hear, um, harvester of sorrow live, which is not normal. Uh, we got to hear unforgiven off the black album. Um, also, uh, not, not very, um, you know, common for them to play live. So that was really awesome. And they did their usual stuff. You know, they did now that we're dead when they did the wacky, like drum thing set up and they played moth in the flame. And, and so like they did a lot of newer stuff uh, and they finished with like spit out the bone. So they had some really good stuff. Still haven't heard man unkind. I want to hear that live, but, um, but then they really dipped in the oldies. Like they played, um, Sabatru and enter Sandman and nothing else matters. So that's like, five off the black album they played which is kind of funny um and it was it was longer than madison and that's what i noticed so in madison they started about 8 45 and i want to say 10 15 is when we got out of there like roughly and then i got to the parking garage and i had to sit for another hour because the traffic's so terrible by the coal center and uh and then though we uh last night i want to say the show went from uh, they started around 8 45 and I think they went until 1045. Like it was, it was two hours. It, it was almost two and a half hours. I think like it was, it was wild how long it was. And it was great. Um, we, uh, I was a little disappointed though, because we, we bought one of the packages, which uh, was called the unforgiven package. You get some bonus stuff and you get in early. Cause we had general admission floor seats. And, um, so if you read all the packages, it says, you know, you get general admission, early access. 
well, I didn't realize that every tier higher got an earlier set of access. So I thought we all were going to get access at the same time. So I, I bought the Unforgiven package. We go in there and there's already people all the way around the stage, like in, in the front row. And you're like, well, this really sucks because, you know, I I paid extra essentially to get in early so that I could get to the front. You know, we got there early enough where we were waiting in line for like two hours. And then you get in, you wait another two hours and you get into the show, you know, and then you wait another two hours for the show to start. Like it's, it's ridiculous, but you do that because you want to be front row. So we had no chance of ever getting front row. And of course, you know, as we're kind of looking around for the best place to be second in row, I find a couple of short ladies are, you know, are, are like up against from like, well, this is a good spot to sit because they're shorter. We can see over them. It'll be no problem. And, you know, one thing when you're at a rock show, like part of what you're doing that whole time is everyone's kind of positioning to get closer to the front. You know, it's just kind of how it goes. And in front of me was uh, was a lady and next to her was like a younger man, maybe in his late teens, early twenties. And, you know, there was like a little bit of a gap between them, like, you know, a foot between them. So not enough for my big body, but enough for me to like get in sideways. And then eventually just kind of like creep in. And what you do, like my move, my, my, my marquee move is I, I squeeze in kind of weirdly and uncomfortably. And then it's up to them if they want to stay that close to me or if they want to move out of the way. I mean, that's just how it works. I have no problem being close proximity to people. So I'll squeeze in and have my back against somebody, my front against somebody just be like, Hey, I'm hanging out here front row at Metallica and you know, and whatever. So I did my usual move. And this, I'm not sure how this story is going to make me, make me look, you know, you guys will have to let me know if I, if I just sound like a total asshole here, but so I, I did my normal move and then the, the, the younger man who was on my left, he, he just like, and I actually had my back to him. So like, that was the way I moved in. Like I had my back to him. I had my one arm on the rail back to him and, and I was facing the lady. Uh, and all of a sudden like she, she, she just looks at me and she, you know, she just looks at me with this nasty look and she goes, are you seriously just going to push him out of the way? And I'm like, what? And I turned and like the, the other guy had been, the kid had kind of reeled backwards. And so I had essentially had moved him out of the way, which like my plan wasn't to kick him out. My plan was to scrunch in, you know, and if he didn't want to be that scrunched in, I could understand him backing out and I'm not going to feel guilty about that, but I'm just saying I didn't go in there and like elbow him out of the way and take a spot. So she says it's super nasty too. Like she doesn't say it nice. She doesn't say, Hey man, like, you know, you're pushing him out or anything, just straight up nasty right away. And so I look over like, Oh, Hey man, no, no, get back in here. You know? And I like, I like motion him back in and to do that, obviously make him comfortable. I had to back off a little bit. Um, I just step out a little bit and she was just I don't know, just, just like a nasty, nasty person. And I'm sure in her head, she thought she was like some superhero or something like, Oh, I just helped this kid out who was getting bullied by some guy. I'm like, no, I literally just like, and, and, and like she, you know, she, like the front row people really pissed me off at this show because they're sitting there at the front full body flat with their freaking elbows out, you know? So they're taking up like, I don't know. I'm looking like three feet per person like like if everybody put their elbows down and stood side to side we could have crammed another 10 20 people front row you know and i and like i didn't say that like i probably should have i didn't say it i was just like whatever i'm not gonna get in a fight i still got two hours to go before the show starts and i'm already irritated i've been standing all day like standing on concrete your back hurts your feet hurt or whatever and you're like okay fine whatever you know and like part of it too was it'd been really nice to lean on that rail you know like just put your hand on there and be like hey i can kind of alleviate some of the stress on my back and then of course you know i'm behind her pretty much the whole show um i got i got like i said i was front row um that i was kind of sideways or whatever but you know like the show starts she's not cheering she's not 
singing along. She's not doing anything. And she's just got her phone out the whole time, just like recording and taking pictures and doing selfies and posting on Instagram and shit. And I just want to be like, oh, it was so irritating, you know? And I looked and that's when I realized like everybody in the front row had a wristband that said whiplash. And that was, that was because they bought the whiplash package, which was a package above mine. So basically if you want to be front row in general admission, you have to pay for these like multiple hundred dollar tickets to be able to even get a chance to be front row. It's, it's total garbage. And like I said, I thought, because I knew early, I knew if you paid for packages, you got early access. I didn't realize that every tier got in earlier than the one after it, because that's what really was what, that's what really pissed me off quite honestly. Cause if they had said, Hey, you get admission at four forty-five, And if you buy this package, you get admission at four thirty, And if you buy this package, you get admission at four, like that would have been different because then I would have said, well, I'm not buying this package. Then I'll just buy general admission and I'll just show up and get whatever spot I get. I don't really care. Um, so all in all, a great show, but the people were pretty obnoxious. And when I went to see them in Madison, um, the there was no alcohol at the Cole Center, at, which I was really pissed off at at first. I was like, you know, that sucks. I can really use a beer, sit here with my wife, drinking beer, listen to Metallica. Sounds like pretty much like the greatest day ever. And I've been really happy with that. And unfortunately, it wasn't. And you couldn't drink beer. So, okay, whatever. So this one, you could drink beer. And unfortunately, everybody was hammered and it was really annoying. And there were cups all over the floor and like people were spilling beer all over the floor. So it was sticky and then it was it was slippery on like the metal um, metal things because the, the, this concert was at the new Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks Arena, actually, which um, which is a pretty cool arena. I have to say, I definitely want to go back and like hit uh, a Bucks game, but you know, so it's sticky. Everyone's throwing their crap all over the floor. You instantly smell weed. And I'm just like, they have dogs. They have like drug sniffing dogs. Like, are these dogs not trained properly? Or like, are they, are they bad at their job? I don't know what's going on. But like, there's instantly, there's a weed cloud. There's, you know, weed smoke. Again, I don't have a problem with it. Like if you smoke weed, it's fine. I'm just saying like, I don't like it. And I don't like smelling it. And I like smelling like it. And there's a bunch of people there that got super high before they came. So they smell like that old, gross, haven't brushed your teeth in a couple days, kind of weedy, weed, gross, breath and then so you got that going on and then you got people you got the fresh but then you got that cheap fresh so it's just like dank and then you got it just it you know it's like whatever it's not it's not the band's fault the band's awesome the show's awesome the venue is awesome but like these people ruin it and so then now i went with my younger brother joe and he's got back problems unfortunately so he couldn't stand as long as we were expected to stand for the show so he went to the back of the general admission and actually one of the security guards was really cool and said hey do you want to sit in this chair you can sit in this chair and the chairs are pretty comfortable there so my brother sat in the chair uh, and he knew he's like you know what i'm probably going to stay here the whole show because it didn't hurt his back it was good for his back to sit down and we had worried about that. Like I knew it was going to be a problem standing that much and waiting that much, um, which is why in the future I'm just going to buy reserve seats. Like I'm done trying to do general admission, especially the way they do their packages and stuff like that. It's just you don't get to the front anyway, and if you're not going to get in the front, why stand there? And like, like if I hadn't, if I didn't think I was going to be front row, I never would have went six hours in advance. Like never. Well, why would you? You know, go six hours to sit in the back. You know, um, just show up whenever you show up and you get a good spot and work your way to the front. You know. Um, and so he sat back there and I realized like, I actually bought the ticket for my brother for his birthday. And, and I, so I thought, well, I'm not, I'm not going to spend the whole, and I was with another friend, Jack. And I was like, well, I'm not going to spend the whole time not hanging out with my brother. Like the whole point was to go see Metallica with my brother. That's why I bought the tickets. So after like five songs, I think, uh, I ended up walking back to where my brother was sitting. And I gotta be honest, when I went to see Madison, there was probably 30 feet from where the seating was to where the people were of empty space. Like there was quite a bit of empty space. I don't know if it's fire code, like, you know, you have so many people in there, whatever. 
Mad- uh, Milwaukee was not like that. It was jammed all the way to the back. Like you had people leaning up against the si- the sides in the back where the seats were, and th- you could barely walk anywhere in there without bumping into somebody. So I'm in the front, and I have to w- walk back through like a thousand people or whatever it would be, and I'm walking back, and I I kid you not, people started talking trash to me as I'm walking out. So like like because what happened was um. There was like a really, there was a really short lady behind me. Like she was probably, if I had to guess, like seriously, like four or five or four six. And so I'm like, hey, and I had been talking to her before the show, and I was like, do you want to, like, I'm gonna bounce after a couple songs to hang out with my brother. Do you want my spot because it's behind these shorter girls? You'll be able to see. And she's like, oh sure, that'd be great. I'm like, perfect. So then it's getting time for me to like go hang out with my brother. And so I look, and she's like two people behind me because some other dickheads like snuck up in between her and and um and me, and so I have to kind of, like, body block him out of the way, I'm like, oh, hey, come on up, and so she, like, wheeze, you know, she, she, like, sneaks her way in, and gets up there, and then I decide, like, okay, I gotta get out of here, so I start going, and the first few people were really cool, they just, like, they moved to the side a little bit, and I'm just, like, boom, boom, and I'm walking, and then all of a sudden, people are just, like, you know, and I know it's during a song, so I'm not expecting people to pay attention, and I just put my arm in their shoulder, you know, you're like, oh, excuse me, excuse me, oh, hey, sorry, I gotta get through, excuse me, and all of a sudden, I just hear someone on the side go, yeah, get out of here, pussy, and I'm like, what? Like, like, wait, 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 you're calling me a pussy because I'm not staying in the front row? Like, I'm going, like, they don't know this, obviously, but I'm going to hang with my brother. Like, it's it's not like I couldn't, quote, unquote, handle the front row. Okay, whatever. And then, like, I kid you, I'm, I'm going, and then you hear somebody say, like, hippie. And then someone say, like, yeah, get out of here. And I'm like, what the, what, what is going on? Okay, like, it, it was so weird, man. I don't, I don't know. But I was getting heckled for leaving the front row to go hang out with my brother. Again, they didn't know I was hanging out with my brother, but still, like, like, why would you heckle someone leaving the front? It just makes more room for you to be able to push forward more anyway, so you should be, like, happy when people do that. Um, so, so really strange. So I had that really negative experience with that, that, that lady right away just being, like, nasty about trying to get to the front and then taking up a bunch of space, you know. Um, and then I get back, and by the time I get to the back of the area, my brother had moved seats, but I found him. And I was like, holy crap, this whole place is full. Like, obviously, Metallica sells out. Like, I wasn't surprised by that. But I'm talking, like, you couldn't even stand in the back without bumping into somebody. Like, it was full. Like, like my dad would say, that we were asses to elbows, you know? Like, you just could not move in there. And then you find a little spot that's open, so you stand there. And then that just happens to be, like, the walkway where everyone's decided. So you're getting bumped into every two seconds, and it's just really awful and irritating. And then, thankfully, uh, my brother had gotten a seat... And then there was one open seat next to another guy, and he asked this guy if he'd swap seats with him so that I could have a seat next to my brother. And he did, which was really cool, so that guy was nice. And my brother and I then just stood and watched, like, the remaining six songs or whatever it was after I finally got back there and talked to him. Um, And uh, so it was pretty great. Um, You know, and then we watched the show together, and it was awesome. You know, and then the show ends, and there's just, like, thousands of cups on the ground. And, like, and people were – this I this I don't understand at all. But people were, like, purposely kicking and stomping on the cups. I don't know if that's, like, a drunk thing or an annoying thing. But, like, I was walking and purposely avoiding cups on the ground. And these are plastic, like, eco cups. So they make a shitload of noise. And, and then and then everybody – there was, like, people walking by just, like, stomping on the ground. Like, and, like, stomping on the cups. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, just – stop being annoying why is everybody so annoying lately it just i mean is that me becoming a crotchy old man or is it just literally that like people don't seem to care that they exist on the planet with other people like just have some self-awareness you know and maybe you'd say the same thing about me when it comes to like trying to squeeze in the front but i'd argue that's different because as soon as i realized i pushed kid out of the way that's not what my intention was my intention was to squeeze in there and have us all squeeze in you know and, and be like hey let's let's celebrate together we're watching a band we love let's let's squeeze in have a good time 
that's it. Like, like that, that's easy, but no, it just seems like people just don't care about other people. And, uh, like, like that other people exist, you know, and you're walking and then people are just walking and bumping into you. And I'm like, God, this is just awful. And, and like we were waiting in line and they did this really weird, like snake line because we were waiting in the atrium or whatever. And we had to get in and there's like one guy and he was cool enough to talk to, you know, he's talking to somebody. He's like, Hey, will you take my picture in front of the Metallica thing? Like, sure. So I take his picture, give it back to him. And then he starts looking at his phone and he stays exactly where he was when he went to move to take the picture, which was ahead in line, like a hundred people. Like he, he literally cut in line a hundred people and then was casually pretending like it didn't happen. And I was like, man, come on, man. Like, I know you're trying to get to the front. We're all trying to get to the front, but like, okay, whatever, you know, that's just kind of how it was. Um, Although a really funny experience. So my brother and I, my, my brother Joe bought me this shirt. Um, not the one I'm wearing in the video here, but he bought me, if you ever watched the movie Euro Trip, it's one of my favorite like stupid teen comedies, I guess you'd say. But Euro Trip is hilarious. And there's a, a funny part of the movie where they go to Amsterdam and the one character goes to, he wants to go find like a, a, a crazy sex club, you know? So he goes out and he, he gets a, he sees a flyer for a free t-shirt. And so he walks in and he, you know, he hands the flyer and he goes, flyer said he get a free t-shirt. And, uh, the name of the club was club Vandersex with like six X's on the end. And that, and then, so after all this crazy stuff happens where he gets like, it's really weird and, and for him and, you know, he gets quote unquote violated. So then the next morning he comes out and he's wearing his free shirt. It says club Vandersex and it's in like, the words are written in like five different colors. And my brother Joe found that shirt on Amazon. So he bought us each one and he gave it to me like last week. I'm like, this is one of the best shirts I ever got because it's, it's a subtle nod to that movie. It's not too on the nose and some people will get it and some people won't. So it's, it's funny to me, you know? So we're walking and, and we both decided we were going to wear them to the Metallica concert. Cause why not? I, I'm not a big wear a Metallica shirt to a Metallica concert kind of guy. Um, cool. If you do don't have a problem with it, just, nah, I just, I don't wear band shirts typically to a band show. And so we're there and, uh, you know, and this guy, goes, oh, is, is that a Club Vandersex shirt? He's like, I love Club Vandersex. And, and so my brother and I start laughing. We're like, yeah, man, this, this shirt's hilarious. And we were wearing the same shirt, and we look similar. He's got more of a full beard. Um, in fact, someone referred to him recently as the scruffy version of the game trade guy. <laughs> and that was before he knew that he... He, that that I was his brother, so it's funny because he said you look like you were like you look scruffier than the game trade guy, uh, not knowing we were brothers. That was pretty funny. Um, so, uh, <laughs> um, so it's pretty funny, whatever. And so he he looks at us, and goes, "Can I get a can I get a picture of you two guys?" We're like, "Of course, man, this is great." Like being recognized for the shirt alone was awesome, and then getting the you know the hey man, can we get a picture taken was was great. So. Um, he takes our picture and then he goes, Oh, Hey, I got something for you guys. And this guy, I, he, this looked like a ticket guy, you know, no big deal. But as I was looking more at him, I think he actually worked for the band and I think he was part of the tour and he was going around and then, um, like he was just watching how the different stages worked. Like, I don't know, you know, he, he just didn't seem like he worked for the venue. He seemed like he worked for the tour and he goes, I got something for you guys. And he, he goes into his pocket and he's like, I usually steal a couple of James picks. Here you go. And he gave me and my brother, each one of James Hetfield's guitar picks. And I was like, Oh my God, like, this is incredible. This is best case scenario is we would get a pick and we didn't have to work for it. We didn't have to fight off the angry mob. We didn't have to like do anything. It was just, we were given to them because we were wearing our club Vandersex shirts. <laughs> so, um, it's, it, I thought it was hilarious. So a great time. They played super late. Didn't get home to like one 30 in the morning, right about the time the brewers were losing our time, uh, cause I was listening to it on the radio on the way back. And that was, that was a, a 13 and a half inning game. 
uh, incredible, incredible game that they lost, sadly. But, um, yeah, so, so it was a great time. So Metallica is always a great show. Go check it out. But it seems like it's harder and harder to go to th- events like this because it just feels like less people are care about it, I guess. And, and more people are being annoying uh, about it and just, I don't know. And I know it's a group, it's like thousands of people there and you can't expect everyone to be polite and stuff. And it's at a rock show or a metal show. So you're like, probably these people aren't known for their politeness, but it just seems like there used to be sort of a kinship there. Like we're all miserable with this many people and with being this crammed up. So why don't we be miserable together? You know, I don't know. And I wish people would leave the house not stinking. Like, I don't care if it's BO old weed, not brushing your teeth, like whatever it is, like just, just come on, you know? Anyway, I've been talking about 20 minutes for this. I was going to talk for like a three minute intro about the Metallica concert. And I went for 20 minutes. So it's good because I ate up 20 minutes of the podcast <clears throat> that I can now move on to the main story. Um, so let me make sure I get on my, my stuff here. Um, <clears throat> um, okay. So let me, let me set up here. All right, so the first story we're actually going to talk about on the podcast today, not getting on about the Metallica concert, the first story is a little bit about Rockstar Games. So this this was kind of jarring. So this came out a couple days ago. It was an article, which is funny because the article originally wasn't talking about working 100 hours uh, at Rockstar on Red Dead Redemption 2. It was just an article of what it takes to put this game out. So it had been, um, it was... Dan Hauser from Rockstar, and he he basically just done an open piece about the game to this magazine, you know, and no one really thought much of it until people started reading the article, and everyone seemed to latch on to this, we were working 100-hour weeks comment, because, and I can understand why why that's so, uh, and, and there's a, a lot of angles to this, like I have a piece of paper here, um, <laughs> so I can keep track of all the different angles I want to hit on this, but... You know, you see that number, it's very jarring. I totally get that. Um, it is it is something that you you can't hardly imagine working 100 hours a week once, let alone multiple weeks and possibly multiple months, multiple years. Like that sort of thing, it, it's really, you know, it, it's jarring when you see that. And so you think, oh my God, this company, this is your first reaction, gut reaction of the average person says, this company is working its people 100 hour weeks. That's on average 17 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, so that's terrible. And you instantly are like, that. that's not sustainable. You shouldn't do that. Don't do that. We should boycott this company. We hate this company. Everything's bad. And then, so that's your first gut instinct. And I'm okay if that's like your, your gut shot. You know, like it's the first thing you hear. And so I'm totally okay with that. I'm totally understanding about that. However, I think you have to understand the business a little bit. And I think you have to dig in and listen a little bit. So there, there's obviously some quotes here. We're going to go through like the story. We're going to read Dan Hauser's quotes. And then we're going to cover some of the other aspects of it. Most notably, some things like how some people talk about boycotting Rockstar. We have some of the like media journalists would were talking about the story of Rockstar, but not even talking about the 100-hour work week piece that some people pulled out. And then you have um, the angle about the YouTubers who are blasting them for this, but then are going to play the game and make a bunch of money off Let's Play. So let's kind of start off with uh, with the whole story. Let's get it all out here and kind of go through it. So uh, here, here was the full quote that really grabbed people's attention. 
The polishing, rewrites, and re-edits Rockstar does are immense. We were working 100-hour weeks several times in 2018, Dan Hauser says. The finished game includes 300,000 animations, 500,000 lines of dialogue, and many more lines of code. <clears throat> Even for each Red Dead Redemption 2 trailer and TV commercial, we probably made 70 versions, but the editors may make several hundred. Sam and I both will both make both... What was it? Sam and I will both make both make lots of suggestions. I guess that was a bad quote, as will other members of our team. So that was kind of the initial quote in the article. And like I said, it jarred a few people. And uh, OK, I mean, I'm not I'm not opposed to you seeing that and going like, whoa, 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 like you guys are working 100 hour weeks. Like, are you nuts? Because that's not sustainable. Even as a boss, like as a self-employed person, when I first opened my store, I was working about 70 hours a week. Um, because I was the only one at the store. So I worked every hour it was open, not to mention beforehand, afterhand to clean, to get things ready, going to the bank, buying supplies, like everything had to be done by me. I was the only one running the business. I had no employees. So I understand what that's like to work, but it's also a little different when I'm working at a store that has to be open and I don't have to, like, I'm not actively working on a project unless I have something in front of me. There were days where like an hour or two would go by with no customer. So I'm just kind of hanging out there basically waiting for someone to come in. Um, and then once I started getting so busy and I started hiring employees, like I actually worked less, the more employees I had because we were busier. So the busier we got, the less I worked actually. So getting back to this though, uh, Kotaku w reached out to elaborate because they jumped on this right away. They were like, th their headline was, Rockstar is working 100-hour weeks. So this was uh, the reply when um, when Kotaku reached out to Dan Hauser. There seems to be some confusion arising from my interview with Harold Goldberg. The point I was trying to make in the article was related to how the narrative and dialogue in the game was crafted, which was mostly what we talked about, not about the different processes of the wider team. After working on the game for seven years, the senior writing team, which consists of four people, Mike Unsworth, Rupert Humphreys, Laszlo, and myself, referring to Dan Hauser, had, as we always do, three weeks of intense work when we wrapped everything up. Three weeks, not three years. We have all worked together for at least 12 years now, and we feel we need this to get everything finished. After so many years of getting things organized and ready on this project, we needed this to check and finalize everything. More importantly, we obviously don't expect anyone else to work this way. Across the whole company, we have some senior people who work very hard purely because that's their passion about a project or their particular work. And we believe that passion shows in the games we release. But that additional effort is a choice, and we don't ask or expect anyone to work anything like this. Lots of other senior people work in an entirely different way or are just as productive. I'm just not one of them. Not one senior or junior is ever forced to work hard. I believe we go to great lengths to run a business that cares about its people and to make the company a great place for them to work. End quote. So that was the reply once this story kind of started picking up steam. <clears throat> and so I first I'm going to while I, I'm, I'm all over the place on this story. So bear with me as I kind of hit all the points. But the first thing I want to talk about is that he did clarify he was talking about him and the writing staff and that when it gets this close to release, they always put in that much time to double check all the dialogue and everything. So now if he's if when he said 100 hour weeks, he meant him and his three writing staff people that do this all the time and they're and they're they are high up people. You know, these aren't like you're not forcing your QA testers on 100 hour weeks. So if that's true, I think that's okay because it's their choice after working there this long, working there together, they've just come to that. This is the expectation. Like, boom, let's do it. Right. Okay. And I, I think that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. 
However, what I did have a little bit of a problem with though, was this down here. So it says, most importantly, we obviously don't expect anyone else to work this way. So that's, to be fair, quite disingenuous because you do expect people to work that way. You just can't say that you expect people to work that way. Um, your, your expectation is that people will work as hard as they have to to get the job done, and that's why you're willing to pay them what you pay them. Your expectation is not when the going gets tough, the tough go home. You know, not saying that you have to be tough to do crunch. That's not what I mean. But I'm just saying from from that sort of motto, you know, the play off that because saying things like uh, like here, um, that additional effort is a choice and we don't expect we don't ask or expect anyone to work anything like this. Now, again, <clears throat> he might be referring to the hundred hour weeks, but maybe they expect and ask their workers to work 60, 70, 80 hour weeks probably do um, like many tech companies do. And that's going to be another point we talk about later. But so you see this and, and you're like, well, this is this is the boss, of course, right? Saying, of course, we don't ask our employees to be ridiculous. You know, of course, we don't ask our employees to to, to stay late and work hard. Um, but when I was a and, and I, I can only give my my understanding to being a salaried employee at a company. If you don't know, I worked at GameStop for 11 years before opening my own game store. I was a salaried manager for probably nine or 10 of those 11 years. And the expectation was a minimum of 44 hours a week with a maximum of nothing. So, and that expectation was, here's the difference and here's what he's trying to say. The expectation is not that they'll work 100 hours in the week. The expectation is that they will get their work done. And so if that's the expectation and you have to do 100 hours worth of work in a week, then that's what you do. So again, it's a little disingenuous for them to say, well, we don't, we don't ask anyone to work 100-hour weeks. No, you don't ask them that. You ask them to get the job done or they won't work here anymore and the job takes 100 hours and you have one week left. So yeah, you're not coming right out and saying, I need you to work 100 hours this week, but you're saying, I need that project done and whatever it takes, I need it done by next week. And so that that's like how he's getting around that. So let me just say that from an employee standpoint, salary is is mostly beneficial to the employer, not usually the employee because you can go over all the hours you want and the boss is never really going to come back at you and say, Hey, you shouldn't be doing that. But if you go under a couple times, you know, they're right up your butt about it. And they're like, you can't be working less than the minimum hours. Um, as a GameStop manager, um, we would be required oftentimes to help out at other stores. So like say a store manager was out sick and the way GameStop's payroll works, it, it's a little different now, but when I was there, the way it worked was if it, it, my hours didn't count towards the store, so say I was sick a day, the eight hours I had to have another manager work that day would not be covered. So I'd have to make up that eight hours somewhere else. So I really couldn't take sick days. You had to basically switch shifts. You couldn't just not work a day because you didn't have enough payroll for the store. And GameStop's very, very big on payroll. Like it's their number one concern is not going over payroll, not paying overtime, stuff like that. And so in all of that, you were expected to work um, to get the job done. So like I'd be running my store 44 hours a week and then all of a sudden a manager goes out another store and they're like, well, we, can you help out at that store a couple days? I'm like, okay, sure. So I go over there and I work two days. I just worked 70 hours a week. I get nothing. And the, the guy who, you know, 
was out ends up, you know, getting his sick time or, or not getting paid or whatever, you know, it's salaried. So he realistically should still get paid, but he's probably gonna get written up or something for being under his hours. And then when I f was first a manager and I know they've changed this since, but there was an expectation that in the months of November and December, because it was our busy time, you could argue that it was our crunch, but it's not nearly as bad. I'm not going to try to pretend that, but, uh, that was our busy season. The expectation was upped and our minimum required hours went from 44 to 52. You had to work 52 hours in a week, if not more. And um, now on the flip side of that, and this is getting into something else I want to talk about, um, you know, is is kind of the benefits you get or the compensation, I should say, you get for that. But we won't talk about that yet. Um, I want to kind of finish up with this game something and then we'll get over to it. And so the expectation wasn't that I would work 55 hours in a week. The expectation was I had to take care of my store. I had to help other stores because we're a team. And I have to make sure that that inventory gets done because all inventories are done by managers of other stores. So even though I, and sometimes I would work 50 hours in a week and I'd be done. And then it's like, oh, you know, someone backed out on this inventory. Can you, can you cover the inventory? Sure. I'll work another six hours this week, I guess. My one day off. Yeah. I'll come in on half that and, and, and get done because again, we're a team. Uh, now that's a little more egregious too, because we weren't really a team. My store was a team and we were ranked against each other. So why am I, why should I help another store? But we are all friends. You know, it's a district. You're close. You know, the people you work with at other stores and, and most of them are cool people that you like. So you want to help out. Um, so, but, but getting back to that, um, you know, on the flip side of that, we were compensated for that holiday time. So usually what would happen is for the month of December, you would work four extra days four extra days, one per week, they would say, okay, you're going to get four comp days. You'll get those four days back just some other time down the road. I'm okay with that. You know, that's the company taking care of me, right? So I'm, I'm saying, you know, I don't like having to work this much during the holiday Christmas season, but I get that back later. And I understand that my store is important. I have a good work ethic. I want to make sure my work is done. I want to make sure my store is nice. And I want to be proud of the work I'm doing. So I will work extra during the busy season. And I'll take some extra time off later. Uh, now, the problem with GameStop was that, unfortunately, they oftentimes didn't give you those comp days. Or like I was saying earlier, how when you're out of the store, you lose that like eight hours of payroll you work. So you'd have to cut eight hours somewhere else in the schedule if you had someone else cover your shift and that's pretty impossible to do when you have very little payroll, like those stores are given. So I was compensated, but oftentimes couldn't use that compensation. So that's, that's a key difference. But what it gets me to say is, and this is what disappointed me. I think the most about Jason Schreier's piece, which I like a lot of his reporting. I think he's really good. And I think he does very good work. He he's, he knows his, um, you know, he, he makes sure he has sources. He, he's like a legit gaming journalist and not like in the crappy way. Like he's a legit journalist that covers and specializes in gaming. And I like it. I like him. But when he started really ragging on this, you know, all of a sudden, instantly, the discussion gets completely out of hand. And you've got people saying, you know, boycott everything Rockstar. Don't give Rockstar any money. Don't do anything for them because they're abusing their employees, making them work 100-hour work weeks. Well, the thing is, According to Dan Hauser, and that's all we can really go off of until we hear other stories, is according to Dan Hauser, it wasn't the entire staff. It was specific people in important management roles working that much, and they did it themselves. They made the decision. So first of all, that's all we have to go off of. And if you don't believe it, that's fine. And until a bunch of employees come out and say, you know what, I had to do 10 100-hour work weeks over the course of Red Dead. You know, if that's And if that comes out, we should be pissed off at, Red, at uh, Rockstar because that's not good 
that's not a good work environment, you know, especially if they're not being compensated. But we don't know that. And that's, I think, what's kind of frustrating here is everybody jumps on Rockstar all of a sudden, saying that this is crap, this is terrible. And I think people were even expecting that because I was getting flack for a tweet I put out, which was just kind of saying how weird it would feel to beat the story, which is 60 hours long, in a week and have put in less hours playing the game than some people worked on the game in a week. You know, it was just like a, it was more of a surreal moment. Like if you think about it, 60 hours in a game in a week is damn hard. Like it's really difficult to do. Uh, I think the only one I did it with was Monster Hunter. And that was because I took like the whole weekend off and I played 12 hours, like four days in a row. Um, and, uh, which I don't even think is enough. <laughs> um, anyway, so, you know, so just saying that and then saying, man, that would be hard to do. I can't imagine working, you know, that's 60 hours working a hundred hours. Yeah, like you get that, you know, and it was more of like a, it was just kind of a tweet like, Hey, I'm throwing this out there. And people were already kind of lashing back at me almost like I wasn't taking it seriously enough or something. Uh, or there was somebody, uh, uh, you know, who, who, um, like, I think he maybe thought I was saying Rockstar was crap. And so he was kind of giving me a hard time. And, and I was like, well, not really, because I don't think they're crap. In fact, I think, I think that this is how the tech industry has been working for years. And it's not just games. And you don't know, again, how they're compensated. And I, I can't stress this enough because we don't know that if you work a 100 hour work week at Rockstar, that one, you're not getting paid extra for that. We don't know that. And again, if it comes out that they didn't, I'll be the first one to like go back and attack them for that, right? But we don't know that. Now, the video game industry does consist of a lot of salaried people and a lot of contract workers. So if you're a contract worker, most likely what your contract states is that you are going to work from this period of time to this period of time. So like the months of, you know, Maybe it, may, it might even say something like June 2008 until completion of project. That might be your contract. And so it might, and it most likely will say in there, your average work week will be between 40 and 50 hours, some exceeding if need be. That's what it's going to say. And you're going to sign that contract because, of course, when you sign that, you're not thinking there's going to be any 100-hour work weeks. Now, but, but that's most likely how it is. So they may not be getting compensated for that, especially as contract workers, because it might be explicit in the contract what their pay is. Uh, on the flip side, salaried employees, it all depends where you work. Um, there was, I did a little bit of research on this because I wanted to figure it out and I ended up finding out some, a little bit of bad news. But so I remember years ago that uh, then President Trump, um, President Obama had made this, had kind of changed the rules a little bit. And he wanted to, he wanted to, um, he had made a rule that would make workers eligible for overtime pay if they made less than 47,000 a year as a salaried employee. So what they were trying to say was as a salaried employee and at GameStop, I was making about 40,000 a year. So I would not be able to work more than 40 hours a week without getting overtime pay. So that was a way to kind of say, Hey, you know, companies can't just throw the salary tag on people and then expect to work them to, to no end. You know, it was, it was basically leveling the playing field because, salaried has always again like i said earlier been benefiting to the employer this was trying to balance it out and give benefit of being salaried to the employee as well and now let them take advantage um unfortunately as i was reading through this i did not realize that uh in uh let's see here on december 1st business groups and 21 states sued and in november a federal judge issued an injunction stopping it from going through and now the trump administration uh, will not defend that rule and will let it stand that it uh, is blocked essentially so it, it didn't nothing became of it um, unfortunately, 
because I thought that was kind of nice, you know, because it wasn't for companies paying their workers a lot. And it doesn't, there are exceptions to it too. Like for instance, um, well, let me get to this. So, and there are specific state laws. So in California, unless you're an exempt employee, which we'll talk a little bit about the exemptions here in California, if you work more than 40 hours, you have to receive one and a half times of regular, you get paid overtime if you work more than 40 hours in any work week. In fact, I ran into this when I worked at GameStop because we every year we go to a manager conference and I remember that because they would start you at like seven in the morning and then you would go to like eight or nine at night for like four days, you know, but the California employees got to leave whenever they wanted because they had to stay under 40 hours. They had to like keep track of how many hours they were doing work things like playing game demos and stuff like that. So really weird stuff. But that's one of the laws in California. And I'm actually, I like the idea of state regulation on stuff like this um, because it, it just seems like it should be dependent on that state's industries and that state's uh, labor laws and, and hopefully self-regulation of companies. And if not, then the government can step in, state government can step in. Um, now, some of the exceptions to that rule are things like uh, someone whose duties and responsibilities involve the management of the enterprise, uh, who customarily and regularly direct the work of two or more employees. So they're talking about upper management, management, um, those who have the authority to hire or fire other employees or whose suggestions and recommendations as to hiring and firing as to the advancement and promotion of other change of status of other employees. So it's really people in positions of power is what they were trying to say, because they understand that some companies they, they need that upper management to be, you know, working a little bit more. And they also understand that those people are getting compensated for that. That's really the difference. So that's just kind of an idea. I just want to go over that a little bit um, to talk about we don't know what kind of compensation they're getting. Now, any which way you look at it, working 100 hours is brutal. It's incredibly brutal. But that doesn't mean working 100 hours doesn't mean that you're not being paid for it. And if the people working there were, you know, get paid overtime for 60 hours in a week, that's a fat paycheck. And I'm not saying that money fixes everything, but you're being compensated for that. And, and, and my, my whole point about all this is just that we don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't think it's fair to start just putting rockstar on blast because, you know, just assuming that they abuse their employees. However, <laughs> I will say, as we flip back to it here, I will say there is some reason for people to think this because well, it's happened in the past. And so uh, on January 7th of 2010, there was a post, a blog by Rockstar Spouse. And it was titled, Wives of Rockstar San Diego Employees Have Collected Themselves. And this was a scathing look at how Rockstar San Diego employees had to suffer and how bad the management was and how bad the hours were and how, um, let's see here, um, Far from what is currently being met by employees after nearly a year of constant strenuous activity, little is there to motivate continuation as they have lost a free vacation week between Christmas and New Year. Without time to recuperate, no efforts made to alleviate the stress of such conditions. So this was just scathing. And this was in, like I said, this was 2010. So it's a long time ago. Management can change from then, even though Dan Hauser's still there. And he claims how him and the other head writers have all been there 12 years. So they would have been there during this. You know, and so you look at this though and you go, okay, like this is bad. You know, if, if, if this was just saying that they had to work hundred hours, a couple weeks a year, I, I really wouldn't feel bad for that because that's sometimes what you have to do, um, to get the project done. Now, besides that though, we also have when team Bondi, the team that made LA noir developers came out and talked about the horror stories about how bad that was. 
Um, and so th- this is a whole other, like, so there's another, and and now that was Team Bondi, but they were, you know, Rockstar was publishing the game, so I'm sure they had deadlines, milestones that they were being pretty strict about. So when you look at all this stuff, you're seeing that there is kind of a pattern of behavior here. However, this pattern of behavior, this pattern of behavior isn't a Rockstar thing. It's an industry thing. In fact, it's not even a game industry thing. This pattern of behavior is a tech thing. It's it's a it's an industry-wide thing across all of tech, across all of IT. It doesn't matter if you program video games or if you program software. Um, if you think there isn't crunch periods in development places like at Microsoft, at uh, Sony Computer Entertainment, at those studios, then you're uh, gravely mistaken. So, and and I think what causes someone to speak out about it isn't necessarily the working conditions. It's the management at that point, because there's a lot you can put up with at a job. If you like the people you work with and you like your boss, I was really lucky to have a lot of great employees at GameStop, even though GameStop paid its employees, terrible, barely minimum wage. Um, they gave them very few hours. These are the part-time employees. Only really your store manager and assistant manager were full-time. Everybody else got less hours. They kept cutting payroll. So you kept giving people less hours and you're expecting people to work eight hours a week at $7 an hour, but have open availability so that you can schedule whenever you want. I mean, it's not very realistic, you know, but that's, but I got loyal people because I took care of them. I was a good boss. I made the work environment fun. And so I think what you're starting to see at the companies that have people falling through the cracks are you've got people who are upset because it's not a well managed company. Maybe they don't like their boss. They don't like their employees and they can't, you know, they can put up with a lot of crunch and a lot of overtime work if they like their job and like their people but if they don't that's when you start to you know that's when it all starts to fall apart i guess it's an analogy is like in the nfl if you're playing a football game you can have this cocky team you can have all this other stuff and that all works and you can have this selfishness you can have all this stuff and that all works as long as the team's winning once the team starts losing then it's not acceptable to act the way you're acting. Uh, and, and and that's what's going to like cause friction in the locker room. Like We're all allowed to have these issues with each other, but if we're winning, everything falls to the wayside. But if we have all these issues with each other and then we start losing, everything blows up. And I, and I think that's a very similar situation. So that's all I really had to say about that. However, I wanted to move on a little bit to... Uh, I don't specifically have a website for this, but you're probably sick of looking at my big face. So let's just get back up to this Red Dead thing. So we're... I want to talk two more th- about two more things. One is the boycotting of Rockstar, and two is the um, the 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 games media, games journalists, not the Jason Schreiers of the world, but like the the YouTubers of the world. I mean, myself included, um, and how they are hypocritical in this situation. So when you see these hundred hour work weeks, you see everybody starts just chiming on about well, you should boycott Rockstar. Screw Rockstar. I'm not going to play Red Dead Redemption 2 now because they abuse their employees. Well, again, I have to go back. We don't know that they abuse their employees. We do not know that. End of story. End of story. We do not know that. Two, we... If you think it's only Rockstar that has this sort of... I mean, we, we you can't say that because even we just heard the other day about Telltale and those working conditions. So you know this is an industry-wide pattern of behavior 
But I also think it's fair to say that that's the expectation. And uh, I'll give full credit to David Jaffe. I, uh, he's, he's like one of my favorite game de uh, designers. And uh, he's not really designing games right now, but he's doing a live stream every day. And he offers a lot of insight into the industry. And he said something really great that I, I really liked. And he said that that is, it's, it's free will. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to work at Rockstar. But if you're middle of the row guy at Rockstar for a couple years, you put your time in, you could be a head guy at a smaller studio somewhere else. You could be a top tier guy, what they call above the line. You could be an above the guy line in a smaller studio after putting in your time below the line at Rockstar. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I put my time in at GameStop. I put my time in at my own store. I put that time in in the beginning. It was an investment in my future. And I feel like time can be just as worthwhile of an investment as money can be. And, and if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. If you are a programmer and you don't want to work 100 hours a week for a couple weeks out of out of a couple year period for Rockstar, then don't. And, and you shouldn't. If you don't want to, don't. But but if you're the same person who says, you know what, I'll crunch for three years at one company and then I'll have my my pick of the litter when the jobs come around, I would do that. I would do that too. Um, I in fact I sacrificed a lot for my professional career. You know, I didn't in my twenties I didn't even date. I was so busy trying to get promoted at GameStop. I was so busy trying to get I didn't even like consider it. You know, open my own store. I didn't have time to date, you know, lost some weight. And then once I started going out there, that's when I met my wife and, and it's been awesome ever since. But I, I, I didn't get, I didn't even care. I was, I was focused on my profession because I wanted to get promoted. Now I ended up not getting promoted at GameStop. So all that extra work I put in essentially was for nothing. I'd argue I took that experience though. And I, and, and that fire and I applied that to my store. So it wasn't like I got nothing out of it, but true. I didn't end up getting the promotion I wanted. But that's your free will. That's your choice. And there are plenty of companies you can work that aren't Rockstar that won't pay you as much, won't have as good of benefits, but they also won't require you to work like this. And so that's kind of the trade-off, right? And again, we don't know the compensation. We don't know what kind of vacation they get. We don't know that once Red Dead launches, they don't get a free week or a free two weeks or whatever. We don't know. And I'd love to know. I, I would love for Hauser to come out and just explain exactly what the compensation is for their employees so we'd know. So there's there's that. Um, it's an industry-wide thing. It's not just games. And so if you're going to start boycotting things, you have to start looking at everything then. Look at your clothes. Are your clothes made at a sweatshop in a, in a lesser-developed country? Um, are your shoes made there? Uh, is the food package do you make, Is are they not paying their workers a bunch? And so all of these things lead to, if you're going to boycott something, like, I guess it's kind of like this, I don't want to say fake outrage, but like there's this outrage from people that weren't going to buy Red Dead Redemption 2 anyway. Or there's people that don't like Rockstar and they're looking for any reason they can to put them on blast. And that's, that's annoying to me. That's frustrating to me. And before I get into the YouTuber side of it, um, the last thing I want to cover is with the, with the boycotting thing, um, is that if if you think that this is somehow a new thing, I'm sorry, you're just you're wrong, and, and and that might sound really harsh. And I'm not saying that we should be okay with this because if it comes out that the employees were terrible or were being abused terribly by terrible management, and the working conditions are terrible, and everyone hates it, and people are burned out, and people are getting sick, and their families are falling apart, yes. We should, you know, and you get to vote with your wallet. That's the best part. If you want to boycott, go ahead. I'm not saying don't boycott. Boycott whatever you want, but don't act like 
everything's great until you hear a news story about it, about 100-hour work weeks, which they have since clarified. And then you just jump on this bandwagon of we got we to gotta kill it. Um, and then you have this final uh, aspect, which is the YouTubers and the, the, the game, I don't know, game critics. I don't even know really what to call them because a lot of people jump on. And, and I talk a lot about news stories. Pretty much what I do on this YouTube channel is I cover just the news stories. So, okay. So you could argue that I jump on this stuff too, but I try to take a news story. I look at it from every angle and I try to explain the story to you and then I try to give you my opinion on that story. Something like this. So somebody jumps on this and they're saying things like, this is terrible, it should change, we hate Rockstar, this is terrible. And that's the same person that's got 200,000 subs on YouTube, gets a free copy of Red Dead Redemption 2 and the day it comes out we'll have a review up he will have his playthrough going on. He'll live stream it and he'll make revenue off of that. So that to me is essentially the height of hypocrisy on this subject because you're willing to blast them and to do all this other stuff, but you're still going to take your free game. You're still going to play it. Like if you're going to boycott this game and say that you're, it, you're disappointed in them working 100 hour weeks, then as a YouTuber, why don't you say, I'm not going to play your game. You can have your free copy back. I'm going to send it back to you. I'm going to boycott you. They're not going to do that because you know what? Rockstar will never send him another copy of any game ever. So you're not going to do that. And that's the hypocrisy because it's self-serving to them. Um, and according to Jason Schreier, I was on his Twitter here, and apparently he has been working for a while. He says, quote, I've been working on an article about work condition at Rockstar for quite some time. Yesterday's story has ramped things up. If you work or have worked there and want to talk about your experiences, even anonymously, my DMs are always open. Um, and so he, he, and he goes on to say, I've pulled all nighters to work on big stories and finish my first book. And to be honest, they can be great. It's exhilarating and productive to focus intensely for 16 to 18 hours, but doing so three or four days in a row made my brain and work suffer. Can't even imagine working, imagine weeks or months of that, but that's, but that's not what the story was. And so I don't understand, like, like I said, I respect Schreier a lot and I, I like his reporting, but I don't understand here where he's basically saying things that he doesn't know. And, and he's making arguments for things that he doesn't know to be true. Um, and it's just a little frustrating to me, I guess. And so he, he's he's speculating a lot on this. And it's kind of disappointing. Again, he might be right. And if he gets a whole bunch of messages and calls from people at Rockstar, he might be right. And if he is, I'll like I said, I'll be the first one to say, hey, now that we have all the facts, th this guy, you know, Schreier is right. Rockstar has got a terrible work environment. We shouldn't support them with our money. And, and I will do that, but I'm not going to do it just because they came out and said they work a couple hundred hour work weeks. And then they correct it to say, we don't expect our employees to do that. Even though I went as far as to say, that's pretty disingenuous, but you know, it just seems to be like that's sort of the thing nowadays is just, just jump on somebody. When you hear something bad, don't look into it. Don't read more stories about it. Just whatever it is, what it is. Um, but to, to kind of wrap it all up here. This is industry-wide, not just game industry. It's other industries, tech, IT, anything. You have crunch. And is it healthy? Not necessarily. But it does have to happen sometimes. It's not about whether or not you crunch. It's whether or not the company takes care of you when you do. And I will always jump on a company that doesn't. And when it's, when it's shown that they don't, I will always be the first to come after them. But we don't know that. Again, we don't know that Rockstar doesn't take really good care of their employees. And even the fact that they're a great stepping stone for someone... Put your time in, 
put your work in. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with people that want to do that. And there's nothing wrong with people that don't want to do that. I'm not saying that either. But I have no problem with a company. The company knows, and you have to be a little responsible. As a business owner, if, if I told my guys, you have to get all this work done and it needs to be done before you leave tonight, and it's 10 hours of work and it's you know 3 p.m., they're going to be there until 1 in the morning. Like that's just how it's going to work if that's what the job is. Now, I try to be responsible as a manager and I don't ask them to do that. And when my salaried employees get, you know, get to their 40, I don't I don't expect them to work more than that. I do expect them to work up to it, and I expect them that if if somebody comes in with a trade that we want to buy at 801, you're going to stay an hour late and process that trade. But on the flip side, if it's really slow and you get out at 805, and you get out three days in a row at 8.05 and you're under an hour for that week, I'm not going to bust you on that either. That's That was essentially the point of salary, in my opinion, was always you're going to have a fluctuation in hours, but you don't have to. Like, that you get paid the same, and, and it has to be like a good relationship between employer and employee. It's like your expectation is that you're going to put as much work in as you need to. My expectation is that I'm not going to overwork you. I'm going to get you there, and we're going to work at it together. And I know that's like a fantasy world. I know not every business works that way, but, you know, um, the last thing I want to talk about, uh, and I actually meant to talk about this earlier and I forgot, I brain farted and I finally got back to it. I want to talk about the unionization of gamers because instantly this is something also people start crying out for. The thing you have to realize is it's really difficult to unionize an industry that's not all one company. It's very difficult to do that. You can do it. There are guilds and alliances and stuff you can join, but it's not easy. And And I don't think that would prevent any of this. All it would do would make your games longer to come out and more expensive. And I'm actually a pro-union guy. Sorry if that offends anybody. I, I do like unions. They need to be a checks and balances on business. But they also can't be all-powerful. And, and, and I think they're a great part of the ecosystem. But neither one can have too much power. Like It needs to be a give and take with the unions and the companies. So I'm not opposed to the to game developers unionizing, but you have to understand that that would have an adverse effect on your gaming. Now, if you're the type of person that says, I don't want, <laughs> if you're the type of person that says, I don't, I don't want those people to unionize because I want my games to be cheaper. I mean, I guess that's okay, but then you can't be the same person that would boycott a product because the people weren't treated properly. Just something to think about. Um, as always. Um, and, and I think, you know, so not that unionization is a bad thing. I don't think it is, but it's not an all end and it's not an end all be all fixer either. And I think if you look at other industries and how they handle this, they've been around longer. They're working through this. The more time you put into an industry, the more, the more collateral you have, the more, the more pull you have in the industry. And, and unfortunately you start at the bottom and you work your way up. That's why a lot of people change companies so frequently now, because it's almost the best way to get promoted and to get a pay increase is to leave the company. Staying with a company, you're not going to get the same increases and same benefits as somebody who's starting new over you. So you lateral jump, go up a little bit, lateral jump, go up a little bit. And that's how you, you know, and that, and that's essentially how the kind of tech slash business world works now is a lot of, a lot of job hopping. Um, and, and that's just, you know, I personally, I, I don't like that. Like I, I think if you dedicate to a company, they should take care of you, but it's just not how it works. You know, especially because the companies know anyone who's dedicated. They don't, need to keep you dedicated you're dedicated that's why you're there um but again some responsible companies do take care of their people it all depends on the company and i think the major point is we until we know exactly how they are or are not compensated we can't accuse them of abusing their employees sorry to say 
And uh, that is the podcast for today, everybody. That ended up going to almost an hour. I uh, I was surprised. I didn't think the Metallica talk would take that long. Um, so as I'm looking around, uh, let's see what what kind of what game do I talk about today? I, I don't know. I'm just I didn't do, you know I didn't prep in advance again, which is a pretty pretty regular thing for me now. Um, let's talk about, I'm looking at my PS2 games. I feel like talking about a PS2 game today. Um, you know what? I'll talk about a game called Silverload. So for PlayStation one, actually, it's a game called Silverload. It is a point and click adventure game. Uh, and it is, uh, everything's hand drawn. looks really, really nice. Actually. It's a really good looking game. Still images. You have like a cursor you point around and you pick up items here to use another place there but it takes place in the uh in the wild west and it's got in like a supernatural element to it so it's this really cool kind of dark western supernatural vibe going on and you're essentially trying to figure out what's going on in this ghost town and uh or in this this old western town and there's like demons and monsters and well not demons but whatever i'm not gonna spoil it for you but it's really cool if you like old school point click adventures like maniac mansion um king's quest stuff like that it's very much like that it's almost like a mix between that or like a game like mist um, but it's cool. It's really dark and it was incredibly difficult and they don't tell you hardly anything. They give you no clues. Um, like I remember one of the clues that was so difficult is you have to find a butcher knife somewhere. Then you're in like a farmhouse. You have to actually like cut open the pig's stomach, but you have to have a bucket underneath it because you have to capture the pig's blood for some reason later on in the game. And you're like, okay, you know, and, and I think if you cut it before you have the bucket under there, like I think it actually, you can't get it. So I don't know. You know, it's one of those games too, where you could bone yourself out of out of running for the game but it's really fun uh so definitely check out silver load on ps1 watch a youtube video of it it's uh it's pretty cool watch somebody play it i don't know play whatever you want or don't play it i don't care doesn't matter uh and thanks for uh, putting up with me being a day late too i always appreciate that i appreciate everybody for watching and listening if you're listening to this on soundcloud or uh, if you listen to this on soundcloud you can uh subscribe to the podcast on itunes if you go to the itunes podcast you can search for game talk radio and look for the little guy wearing my game trade shirt. That's me. If you're listening to this on iTunes or SoundCloud and you want to subscribe to us on YouTube, we'd love to have you over on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash drop rate, not the drop rate, just youtube.com slash drop rate. That will get you to our channel. We, uh, we eclipsed 3,200, uh, like, uh, subs now we're, we're just cranking on, you know, trying to do a um, couple hundred a month. Uh, somehow hitting 4,000 by Christmas seems impossible, but I we would love to do it. And hopefully we can get some more subs from our 24-hour uh, live stream charity that's coming up and stuff like that. And I need a, I need a video to hit here, man. Jordan's been just killing it with good content. Um, he, he's got videos going over 100,000 views now, and I'm slacking. None of my content's been really um, picking up. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get some, some moving, but we appreciate any of the traffic on YouTube as well. Uh, thank you everybody as always for listening and watching everybody. Have a great day. We will talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>